welcome to the Jewish Reaction. I am Yaakov Glasser, the Educational Director of International NCSY, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, and we welcome everyone back uh, to another wonderful show here at the Orthodox Union. Uh, today we're talking about the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy and some of the extraordinary uh, volunteer operations that sprung up in the aftermath of that tragedy that affected so many of our communities. And really how it is, you know, now that we're a few weeks out of the hurricane experience, uh, for many who are still struggling with so much of its effects and and how it impacted their lives, uh, it's really an opportunity for us to take a step back and kind of reflect on how this experience has impacted our entire attitude towards chesed, towards volunteerism, uh, towards what it means to take responsibility uh, for fellow Jews. And that's why today uh, we decided to welcome to our show a guest who's with us by phone. His name is Adam Negnowitzki, and Adam Negnowitzki is a resident of Passaic, New Jersey, uh, where he was at the forefront of coordinating communal efforts from Passaic, which, thank God, I could tell you, uh, while there were definitely a number of homes that were damaged significantly uh, in the course of the hurricane, for the most part, uh, you know, thanks to the Rabona Shalom, uh, most of the impact of the hurricane on our community was in the realm of the um, power outages and not in, uh, thank God, loss of life or even extensive loss of of property. Uh, but one of the things that happened in the aftermath of the experience was many of us sort of looked around the community and said, okay, like now that we're able to get back on our feet, what can we do to help those who are in the five towns, those who are in Bayswater, those who are in Oceanside, those who are in different areas uh, that have been impacted. And uh, looking around the community, there were many people that were looking to to reach out and to help and to be there for each other. And, uh, you know, individuals sprung up who really took the lead in terms of coordinating efforts on behalf of the community. And what we wanted to do today was really talk to one of the people who was at the forefront of that effort and discuss how those efforts really evolve when there is a need within the community and the lessons that we can learn for the future uh, in terms of both the infrastructure of chesed within our communities and and between our communities and how some of these experiences have impacted uh, those that have been involved in their really their attitudes towards chesed and volunteerism for the future. And uh, I, I just want to welcome uh, here to the Nachum Siegel Network on the Jewish Reaction. I'd like to welcome Adam Negnowitzki. Adam, how are you? Thank God. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're taking time out of uh, a very busy day. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about like, what inspired you? What, how did you decide that you wanted to step forward and play this communal role? Um, it really was kind of thinking about the terrible devastation that happened and how, if it, God forbid, something like that. Obviously, thank God, as you mentioned, in the in the Passaic Clifton community, we were overall lo- largely in the in the in mostly spared. So um, I was very thankful for that, and I was thinking how, if God forbid, something similar happened to us. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it really feel unbelievable if suddenly, in the middle of nowhere, we're sitting in our house amongst the devastation and we have a van load of people coming? We're here to help you. Whatever you need, let us help you. Let us show that we're truly brothers and sisters. So I, I think that part of the 
the drive for us to help, and really from what I've heard from many of the other volunteers as well, has been that that feeling of brotherhood and sisterhood, the fact that, you know, Chaverim call Yisrael, and that really, truly every Jew is responsible for other Jew. That's, so that's that very, really was, was a driving force. That's very, that's very beautiful, the concept of Arevus, that we are literally guarantors uh, for each other and that uh, we, we are responsible for each other. And I'm, I'm sure that that reaction on an existential level, on a spiritual level, um, you know, took place within the hearts and minds of, of many people. Uh, but what, you know, what did you do with those thoughts? Like now you say, to you, you wake up in the morning and you look around and you have so much akaras atov and halal v'hoda to the Ribbono Shlolom that, that, you know, we came through in the way that we did and you know that there's a need out there. Uh, I'm sure there are many people that felt that way. Uh, wh- what were your next steps? Like practically, when the community has a need, how does someone who's, you know, and, and, and you know, in, in full disclosure, I, I know Adam for uh, many years, but how does someone who, you know, plays a, a basic role in Jewish communal life, Adam's a, a gabai at his, his shul, uh, but how, how does how does someone just wake up and decide they're going to make a difference like this? What what were your next steps? What did you do now that you you had this inspiration? Um, well, the first thing I did was I tried to mobilize the community. Um, the first thing actually that happened was I spoke with uh, some of the leaders of Tiferes Tiferes Israel, which is uh, another shul in Passaic, and they already had mobilized in some way. They actually had um, Stephen Levy, who was heading up um, an effort to try to help out. But I really felt like we had to take it to the next level, because really at that point, as far as I could see, the, the, the TIF was the only shul that was getting involved. So what I did was I contacted the leaders, rabbis, presidents of almost every shul in the neighborhood, um, and I want to thank Mayor Keneal, who was tremendously helpful in that effort. And we, at the end, we had almost every school in the community making announcements and sending out to their email blast that we're trying to get together this effort. So it really started spiraling. And also George Majewitz, um, who, who runs kind of our communal um, Kihila forum, uh, he also was very instrumental in sending out and constantly not only sending the whole community updates, but also sending out our updates. Um, truthfully, the main challenge we had was communicating with the other side. In other words, there were many communities, as you know, that were affected by this, and it was challenging to find out, to kind of do some research and determine what needs they had. How many volunteers do they need? Do they need generators? Do they need gas? Do they need all, all the different logistical items they could potentially need? And and what type of people responded? Like, was there a uh, was there a typical profile of the type of person uh, that that reacted to these announcements in shul and these efforts and said, "We're going with you. We're gonna we're gonna go help out." You know what's going on in those communities? Was it more diverse? Uh, what did you find? I think it was great because there actually was absolutely no profile. We had we had people anywhere from uh, 16-year-old teenagers up to uh, literally people in their 60s. What, what gave me really a lot of nachas was I, I personally went out to uh, Woodmere with, with a team of nine people, and we were basically, it was a... a um, it was a basement which was still had significant water in it, and it had tons and tons of 
of their stuff. It had their Pesach dishes. It had just, you name it, it had a lot of stuff, and it was all waterlogged. And when we all came to that basement, I think we looked at each other and we said, how are we going to do this? I mean, it's just, it was a very, very large task. But with nine people, we literally created an assembly line and literally worked very hard together, and at the end, we were able to clean it out. But what I wanted to mention, you asked about the different ages and the different demographics, and really... We had one person in our team who was definitely in his 60s. He took a hand truck, and he was like the hand truck all-star. He literally would load anything onto the hand truck, big or small, furniture, garbage bags, and he was very, very useful in that way. So really everybody contributed according to, according to their skill levels, according to how they felt they could add value. That's really, that's absolutely incredible. And uh, for those joining us, we're here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Rabbi Yaakov Glasser, the Director of Education for International NCSY, and I'm speaking with Adam Negnowitzki, uh, the Paseya Coordinator for our community's efforts uh, in reaching out to those who are affected by Hurricane Sandy. That, that definitely sounds like uh, unbelievable work. I mean, I'm sure many of the people who were helping out and uh, and contributing to this effort, this type of work, you know, uh, the, the, the getting down and dirty in terms of, like, really dealing with people's um, issues in, in their homes and those kinds of things. I'm sure it was, it was a departure from the typical, you know, volunteer opportunities that many of us are used to, you know, driving around town, dropping off food for Tom Chay Shabbos or, or making phone calls for a school dinner or, you know, contributing in, in some, some other way. This type of physical labor uh, is probably atypical for the average, uh, average you know, 21st century Jewish volunteer. Would, would you agree? Yes, it's definitely, definitely atypical, um, but people really saw the need and were willing to pitch in. I'll tell you, actually, that everybody was, was willing to do the physical labor. Not only that, we had one guy who was just very handy, and he noticed that the garage of one of the homeowners that we went, that we went out, in fact, the same homeowner I was talking about before, uh, was broken. So he actually stayed later to, to go ahead and fix her garage door. That's unbelievable. That's absolutely unbelievable. What was the reaction? Did you meet the people who own the homes uh, that you were working on? They were very, in terms of the reaction, they were very, very um, thankful. They really, uh, you know, one of them bought us pizza. They really, uh, they just they just were beside themselves. In fact, I can tell you that there was, uh, we went to one house in Woodmere on Church Avenue, and uh, the uh, the son basically kind of uh, confided in me that he's really, really not affiliated anymore. But he was really, really just moved, and, and I could tell, touched to the core. He told me, I didn't even need to, to read, kind of read him between the lines. He told me up front that he was very just amazed how nine people could just kind of unload from a van to people who they've never met, don't know from a hole in the wall, and just, you know, spend the day clear, clearing out their sludge. Wow. So, Adam, how has this experience affected your personal attitudes towards chesed, towards volunteerism? Do you, do you feel that this will have a long-term impact in how you approach needs of the community? Do you feel that our community uh, needs more infrastructure, or do you feel like this kind of, like, let's just, let's just get, get going, this kind of grassroots type approach is really, you know, has more passion to it and is really the, the more ideal approach? Like, what, what have you learned about 
our our world of taking responsibility for each other uh, from this experience that would inform how you would uh, relate to chesed and outreach and those types of things in the future? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think that community infrastructure is very, very important. I think we learned from uh, the five towns and Far Rockaway, and basically Achiezer, as many know, was coordinating that whole area. The effort for Oceanside as well was coordinated by Achiezer. And their in, the infrastructure they had in place was very, very uh, critical in helping their communities out. So I think infrastructure is critical. And, of course, at the same time, it's always important to have passionate people on the ground who are who, who will do whatever is needed to make sure that everybody gets the assistance that they need. Um, I think that the Jewish community really needs to develop more of a, more of an infrastructure. I could tell you that... Achiezer, this was way over Achiezer's head, That's, and I'm not telling you this by hearsay, I'm telling you this, these are the words that, that many Achiezer coordinators communicated to me. Um, Achiezer is, an, is, a, is a newer organization, and they definitely were not equipped for something like this. Um, at the same time, given how new they are and how ill-equipped they were, they, they still did a wonderful job trying yeah. to get out there and help as many people as possible. Absolutely. I mean, I think it just speaks to how when you have the foundation set uh, with a group like Achiezer, where you have the, the people in place and the passion in place and the, and the resources in place, uh, that, that provides the foundation so that when something extraordinary happens, at least there's something to go to that could begin the process of, of moving it up. But I think one of the things that this whole experience has taught us is uh, we, we have to have some sort of, you know, disaster-type plan um, that we could, you know, implement when, when, things, uh, when things come up. Look, I think that, uh, Adam, you are definitely a role model to many out there in the Jewish community. Uh, Adam, I could tell you uh, to the listeners, Adam had no previous experience in these types of, uh, these types of efforts and these types of things, although I, I do know his kids and it's possible that cleaning up some of their rooms um, on a Shabbos afternoon might have prepared him somewhat uh, for working with devastation. But um, in, in truth, in all seriousness, uh, it really just shows that that uh, anybody could step up. And um, it's really yashikach to you and your entire team. And uh, on behalf of the, of the OU and of the Jewish Reaction Program, the Nuchel Siegel Network, uh, we, really, we really just wish you and, and everyone involved a uh, big yashikach and chazak ve'ematz. And I know your efforts are ongoing and continual. Um, if you want to make a quick, quick plug or a quick pitch to any other upcoming efforts, uh, we'll give you a chance to do that now. And, and then we're going to move, move to our next segment. Sure, thank you. Um, the truth is that at this point, um, more critical for us is to find out a need. So if anybody knows of any specific homes that need help clearing things out or help really uh, with any type of manpower or donations, please, please let us know. Uh, that's, that's really our challenge. I, was, I have a few ladies who are nice enough to volunteer to make calls to, to different communities, and I still have not been able to... Um, uh, confirm a need. So if anybody knows a need, please let me know, and we're definitely willing to uh, get a team together to send send out. Wonderful. Adam, thank you for joining us here on the Nachum Siegel Network, and uh, we, will, we will be in touch. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. And thank you to all the listeners, and uh, we move now to our next segment. Thank you so much. 
Hi everybody, Steve Savitsky. Welcome back. And today we have Rabbi Judah Isaacs. And uh, Judah is the Director of Community and Synagogue Services at the Orthodox Union. Uh, Judah, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Well, that's great to hear that. Terrific. And I know that, uh, you know, there's a, an article coming out in the uh, spring edition of 2013 of the Jewish Action. And we're going to be highlighting uh, the uh, the aftermath of the uh, terrible hurricane that we had, Hurricane Sandy, and all the variations that happened. So, first of all, Let's talk a little bit about the OU, uh, an organization that I think both of us like a lot, and let's talk about what we did during the the hurricane and, um, you know, to help our communities. I think that, Steve, what's crucial is that the first thing that we did is really meet with our individual synagogues. We either went in person or reached them through a variety of ways to really find out how they were impacted, what the needs were, and how we could be the most helpful in helping them rebuild and continue on. I think that, you know, one of the things that was very challenging about the storm is that unlike previous natural disasters, this one really hit at the heart of our community, and especially in terms of the Orthodox Union, which is a membership organization of over 500 shuls, there were many shuls that were in the direct fire of this storm, and it impacted the shuls and the individuals who are Davin and members of that shul. Yeah, there's no question that, you know, that, uh, and I certainly personally could speak to it as someone who lives in the five towns, the devastation was, was beyond belief. I know you came out to see it firsthand. Um, what was some of you, could you have believed, by the way, I mean, you heard about it, but I was with you the f- one day you came in. I know you went out other times. Would you have believed that actually something like that could really happen? I think we were all in shock. And I think especially, you know, in talking to rabbis and synagogue presidents, I don't think anybody ever imagined that water could do such damage. And I think that we had situations in shuls where the water was so high that it flooded the boilers. Um, so we had oil and water combinations in at least two shuls, and I don't think anybody could have ever imagined it. And that was just in our shuls. There were homes that literally their basements were covered in water, and part of their first floor, people had to take out everything in terms of molding and everything else. And for days right after the storm, just seeing the piles of, of garbage and which really wasn't garbage. It was people's lives, their sofas, their cribs, and everything was out on the street just being thrown out. It was really unbelievable. Uh, pictures don't do it justice. And no question about it. So, um, so I mean, OU, but really, I mean, I think that the OU took responsibility uh, in other ways also. I mean, besides just um, you know, coming out to visit. So what, what did we actually do? I right. mean, like, did we set up a fund? Did, uh, how did we help people? What did, how did we do that? So immediately uh, within days of the, of the storm and when the magnitude became very clear to us, by that Thursday night, we had set up um, an OU hurricane relief fund. And we've done that in the past. Um, and uh, we've been very pleased with the response that people have given us. Um, and the donations have really come forth. And uh, they're continuing to come forth. The needs are still very great. And, I, and in assessing the needs and looking at it, we really realized that the first step for us in distributing funds should really be to the rabbis' discretionary funds because the rabbis of the impacted shuls really know their congregants, know what their needs are. And uh, we were able, in a very short amount of time, to get um, over $150,000 out to our rabbis to help them with their individual congregants. 
Um, and then we looked at some general um, organizations that could that have been helping individuals and see how we could impact them as well. So we made some donations to some organizations as well that have really been on the ground. Is there anything that we can do in the, in the future to, I mean, how do you, you can't prepare for something like this, right? But I don't think that you can prepare for this. I think that one of the things that um, we have been instructing our schools over time through the synagogue services department is that Things happen that we are never prepared for. God forbid there's a fire. God forbid there's a flood. What's really important is do you have a plan in place ahead of time to really know what you would do if something happened? Do you know who the people are that you would call if, God forbid, something happened? And we're really trying to work with our shuls so that our shuls can be better prepared to at least have an emergency plan in place. So if, God forbid, something does happen unexpected, they know where to turn. I think one of the things we saw in this storm, I'm sorry, is that people really didn't know where to go. Right. Now, I mean, most, I mean, like corporations uh, develop, you know, uh, disaster recovery plans. I I don't think that most shuls will have a disaster recovery plan set up, right? Correct. But it's important to know at least, you know, one of the shuls said to me that we had about, 50 contractors who were coming to say that they could provide assistance, and it was really helpful to us that we had somebody that we had used before in the shul who we knew, who we trusted, and that person came forward, and we were very comfortable using that person because that person is somebody we know already. And I think that it, you know, it's important just to have a list of people, of contacts, of, of people that you've worked with that you know how to reach them so that you can begin the recovery. What about, you know, has the LU ever thought about doing something where, you know, let's say in disaster recovery you have, um, you know, shul records and you have, uh, you know, uh, things like that which are off-site uh, so that if anything ever happens, at least you have all your records intact and uh, your computer systems and, and everything else. Uh, have we ever thought about doing anything like that? We haven't, but I think it's something that we should look at. There are many shuls today are using um, software that's cloud-based, that's not server-based. So uh, for a lot of shuls, that information was able, they were able really to recover that information. But I think it is something that we need to look at. Okay. And now uh, when you look at some of the the devastation, uh, I mean, this is going to continue for uh, for quite a while. And um, anything about, were any shuls actually at the point uh, hit so hard that they actually can't be functioning anymore as a shul? So we have a few shuls like that, and what the OU has done um, in partnership with UJA Federation of New York is we've been able to provide funding um, for trailers so that the shul can set up a temporary place to daven and to continue functioning until their building is restored. Um, And we at the OU are going to have to look at how we can be helpful both financially and in other ways to help them rebuild. Uh-huh. Interesting. So what, what shuls in particular that were the ones that were so uh, badly damaged that they're, that they're not even usable anymore? Um, Old Tzedek and Bell Harbor is not okay. usable right now. Um, the catering hall in Manhattan Beach is not usable right now, um, though the shul itself was on a second story, so that was okay. Um, we had the Bach shul, uh, Bachure Chemed, in Long Beach that also sustained a lot of damage and um, is going to need a trailer until they can rebuild. Mm-hmm. So are we helping them getting the trailer, or is that what we're doing? What are we doing? Uh, we're providing some funding for them um, to get the trailer. Uh, it's a matching fund with the UJ Federation New York. Um, the Bell Harbor trailer will be set up this week, and uh, the Bach will be set up shortly. 
Really, and this is with the UGA. That's really great. Correct. That's, that's really fantastic. I'm glad that we're doing some work with them at the UGA. Yes, and they've really been uh, taking a leadership role in trying to assist synagogues and helping them get uh, back on track, and we've been working very closely with them. Okay. Now, I mean, you know, when these things happen, there are, I know that in the article that, uh, you know, that, that that's being written and that you're, you know, you're working with the Hama on, it talks about some of the incredible acts of chesed that people did beyond what, you know, anyone would imagine. So what, what were some of those, like some of those people and what did they, what did they do? Well, I think that, you know, there are certain people that really took leadership roles and they come in very different ways, whether it's somebody who managed to get um, generators, um, a whole group of generators, somebody who went to Lakewood, New Jersey, which had plenty of gas and brought gas so those generators could be there, um, to uh, Yankee Brach, especially at Brach Supermarket, who provided a lot of food and meals initially for people. He was the only one open um, in that area initially. Um, and there were individuals who really helped rescue people. And uh, the miracle of this whole thing is that Baruch Hashem, there's been a lot of loss of property, but within the Frum community, at least, there wasn't a loss of life. And when you hear the stories and you hear what happened, you recognize there were a lot of people that made that a reality. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. No, having having lived through it, I I know exactly the stories, and the stories the stories are really are really incredible. Um, so the OU uh, once again has has taken a leadership role uh, in in this situation. And um, what do you think the people, let's like, say, who are in the listening audience, what? I know we still have this fund, the Hurricane Relief Fund, right? So what? Correct. W- the money is going to where? It's going to the. Well, why don't you tell us where the money is going? Okay, so the money is going still to help individuals, um, whether it's through the organization, a few organizations that we're supporting, or through the rabbi's discretionary funds. Um, the ra- the money is also going to help with these trailers and to help the shuls rebuild. Um, and some of the funding will go. Um, with some of the long-term needs of some of our schools to really help them ensure that they can continue to function and rebuild. And after insurance and after FEMA, there's still going to be funding that's needed to really help them be there. Um, in addition, we know, I mean, I got a letter yesterday from a rabbi about a family that he knows that just talked about the damage in their individual home and they're looking for help. Um, and the list that, that this person gave said that the loss for this family is in excess of about $10,000 right now, and it probably will grow. So we know that as the power is going back on for the people who aren't in their homes right now, um, there still are going to be needs that are out there, and we really want to make sure long term that we're there and we're there to help them. Well, that's important. I think people should know that. That, I, And I know that we've had experience, unfortunately, during Hurricane Katrina. Uh, maybe you want to let people know about what we did then. Right. So during Hurricane Katrina, which impacted the New Orleans community, um, the OU was really instrumental in helping the shul that was totally destroyed um, rebuild. And uh, in fact, this year, Rabbi Weinreb, um, the executive vice president emeritus of the OU, actually went to the dedication of the new shul. Um, 
And uh, they were very thankful to the OU because the OU was there not just in the beginning, but really there throughout the process. And that's what you know, our intention is, is really to take a leadership role. We know this is long-term um, and not just right now, but really down the road, be there. And as I said to many of the shuls that I visited, we uh, look forward to being at their Hanukkah Tabayit when they're able to be in their building again. Right, exactly. And that's why I think the Hurricane Relief Fund uh, is so important. First of all, I, I mean, I know the answer to this, but it's just important to say it, that every penny from this money goes directly to the recipients. There's not a, a dime that comes to the OU. Uh, and uh, Right, right, Judah? Correct. That's absolutely right. correct. Right, right, which, which is great. People should understand that we've set that up, and uh, uh, we, we did it with Hurricane Katrina. We've done it for some other, some other causes, and uh, once again, that's what we're going to be doing the same thing here. But I think it's important for people to understand, as you said, that while we're giving away a lot of the money now, we're also going to keep some because we know that in six months from now, in a year from now, there will be definitely needs. And then, unfortunately, most people would have forgotten about what happened. Correct. Uh, so uh, I guess it just, if people are listening and they want to really give to something that's worthwhile, so the Hurricane Relief Fund uh, at the OU uh, will go directly to the recipients. And uh, Judah has actually done a great job and has taken upon this, uh, upon, this upon himself, uh, you know, with uh, not just, uh, you know, as an employee of the OU, but I, because I've been with him, I know as a, a person of uh, chesed and, uh, and, and, and personally feels, you know, the uh, dedication to, to do this. Um, anything else you'd like to kind of tell the people in the audience? They could read the article, right. and they're going to read the article in the spring edition right. of the Jewish Action. Anything else you want to talk about? I, I would just say the last thing is that summer camp is coming, day school next year. We also know that th there's going to be an impact on our whole system from people whose lives have really been upended. And um, that's why I think it's so important, as we said, that individual needs are not going to just go away right now when their immediate needs are taken care of. There are going to be some long-term impacts that are going to be felt in the community. And if we can help um, make those not as great as they're going to be, I think it will be very helpful to the entire community. And that's really how we at the OU are trying to take a leadership role, really trying to look at the long term that's out there and really making sure we're there to help. Great. Now, once again, Hurricane Relief Fund, what do they do? They just they can go online, they can send a check. How does it work? They can send a check to the OU Attention Hurricane Relief Fund, or the easiest is to go online and make an online donation. You can make a donation either from the U.S. or from Canada. Um, there's an option to go to Canadian dollars, and all of that gift is tax deductible. And as you said, all of the money goes directly to, to benefit um, those people who have been impacted by this storm. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay, it sounds terrific. Well, listen, Judah, thank you so much for all the work you're doing, and uh, we thank you at the OU for, uh, for really taking a leadership role once again uh, in a crisis situation. Have a wonderful day. Be well. Too. Thanks. Hi, and welcome back to the Nachum Siegel Network here at the OU's Jewish Reaction Program. We welcome everyone back. I am Rabbi Yaakov Glasser, the Educational Director here for International NCSY. And today we are discussing how uh, various uh, tragedies and experiences in the Jewish community have impacted the whole realm of volunteerism 
and of chesed and really shifted many of the paradigms in terms of how our community relates to taking responsibility for each other and being there for each other and helping each other. And on the line with me today is Rabbi Jonathan Ackerman. Rabbi John Ackerman is the Associate Regional Director of New York NCSY. Uh, the NCSY region that probably, in terms of the uh, Hurricane Sandy, experienced uh, some of the most extensive devastation in terms of all of the different regions of NCSY, and perhaps another time we, we could explore some of the impact of that experience on their region. But today, Rabbi Ackerman joins us to discuss something else entirely, and that is that, as we all know, uh, on the heels of the experience of Hurricane Sandy came uh, the uh, missile attacks in Israel, which certainly uh, created such a seismic shift in terms of the uh, safety and security and just, you know, uh, serenity of living of the people in Israel and of our brothers and sisters. And as a result, you know, many were sort of looking and searching for ways in which we here in America could make an impact, could contribute, uh, could somehow assist with what was going on there in Eretz Israel. And obviously tefillah was certainly a substantial way to do that. Rabbi Ackerman joins me today to talk about how New York NCSY uh, has put together a remarkable and innovative program that is empowering teens and really Jews around the country uh, with the opportunity to make a tangible difference uh, in the lives of those youngsters that are experiencing this uh, unsettled living conditions uh, in the land of Israel. Rabbi Ackerman, welcome to the Nachum Siegel Network and the OU's Jewish Reaction. How are you? Good. Thank God. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for making the time in your busy schedule. It is wonderful to have you. Uh, why, can you tell us a little bit about kind of like what led to the formation of this program? In other words, what about the events taking place? How did this start? How did this all begin? Absolutely. We were sitting in the office trying to figure out exactly as you said, what can we do outside of the normal realm Philos of learning of Tehillim uh, to try to feel like we're doing something meaningful for the situation, specifically for the children and what they're experiencing in Israel, and uh, something that our teens who are very actively involved in Israel advocacy from this end, what they could do to sort of lend their efforts to their peers, um, you know, across the world in Israel, and uh, as we were throwing around ideas. This sort of just came to us that everybody needs a break, everybody needs um, to do something a little bit fun once in a while, and the 15 for 15 campaign was born from that. That's incredible. What led to, you know, I guess the traditional responses to these experiences are just kind of, you know, let's raise money and send money, or let's have a letter-writing campaign. What specifically led to kind of identifying free time and normality as the aspect of the crisis that you and your teens wanted to address? Well, realizing that post-traumatic stress disorder is a huge element of what, uh, what all of these people, and specifically, again, the children, are going through on a regular basis, and realizing that there's a lot of organizations uh, dealing with safety and with security, we are trying to find a way to do something meaningful where we could actually make a difference. Um, I know that some of our staff received emails from colleagues in Israel who were specifically saying that their own children were really suffering and that if only they could get out of there, at least for a little while, it would 
provide a certain respite for, for the parents as well. And while we were trying to figure out with our teens what can we do, the idea came about as teens for teens, kids for kids, that these kids should not have to live in fear. And if we can get them out of there at least for a little while to relieve some of those stresses, that would be something that our teens could get behind. Beautiful. So, so tell us what it is. What is 15 for 15? What, what is the program? How can we get involved? What, what is exactly going on? 15 for 15 represents, the, on a basic level, the 15 seconds that many people in southern Israel have from the moment they hear the air raid siren to the moment they have to enter a bomb shelter. And we were, when we were looking for sort of a, a, an identifying feature, and a, an amount of money or an amount of time or something that people could easily get behind. That synergy sort of came to us, that $15, a $15 donation going towards the creation of a program and the running of a program for these kids to sort of counteract the 15 seconds that they have would be something meaningful. We've had all kinds of donations, and even people who especially due to the Sandy situation, are not able to donate money, but people are, are even donating 15 minutes of their time in honor of these 15 seconds that everybody has to get to the bomb shelters. That's incredible. Have, have you been in touch with students that are in southern Israel in terms of how the program is affecting them? We've been in touch with some of the students. We've been in touch with some different groups. Our goal is really to run this campaign through Hanukkah. Um, we're going to be raffling off for each $15 contribution that's made at 15for15.com, which is spelled out 15for15, no numbers, only letters. Um, we're going to be raffling off one of our generously donated iPod, iPad excuse me, minis um, for, for this, uh, <clears throat> this program. And at the end of Hanukkah, the money that we raise um, will be sent over. Um, we're, we're aiming big. We hope that we can make a, a, good, a good amount of money to, to really make a dent there and uh, to provide a, a nice, meaningful experience for the kids there. So these are teenagers who are soliciting the donations or these are teenagers that are donating money themselves? It's both. It's both. It's, uh, this is a teen-run program. There's teens raising money for other teens, for other kids in Israel. They're soliciting. They're donating um, I know even, I'll tell you, even kids who are greatly affected by Sandy have really gotten behind this as sort of a beacon of hope for themselves to, to be behind something and give it of their own money to be sending to the kids in Israel. That's, that's, that's incredible. And I know, uh, I know that all of our listeners here on the Nachum Siegel Network and at the OU's Jewish Reaction, uh, just listening to this, uh, this whole concept about empowering our teens uh, to do something to make a difference in the lives of teens in Israel, uh, aside from just addressing the crisis, must also uh, instill within them a greater sensitivity to the connection between us and Israel. We hope so. We hope so. One of our goals is for the teens here, whether they're in yeshiva day schools or public schools, that they should form a stronger connection to Israel, to their peers in Israel, to kids who are just like them, but who go through these horrendous experiences that most of our teens on a regular basis can't connect to. Our goal really is, aside from raising the funds to provide programming for the kids in Israel, is to give our teens a greater sense of identity and a greater sense of brotherhood with their, really, their extended family in Israel. Amazing. So, Rabbi Ackerman, let me ask you, what has this, and this is something we've been talking about on the program today, 
One is this unique giving situation, because this is certainly not your typical kind of classic, um, you know, Tomchei Shabbos type, you know, uh, Chesed program. This is unique. It's innovative. Uh, it's empowering teenagers. It's leadership development. Uh, it's Eretz Yisrael. It's got so many different elements to it. What has working on this project taught you about giving and volunteerism in general? Like, how is this experience informing your future relationship to these types of projects? Well, I think one thing that's become very clear is when there's an avenue to provide, there's an avenue to serve, people really rise to the occasion, and people want to be involved. I can't tell you how many phone calls, emails, uh, Twitter retweets, and Facebook posts we've received from people who are so excited that there's a way to get involved. I think sometimes there's a crippling frustration when people are scared and they want to be involved and they want to do something but don't know how. What's really opened our eyes is that people from all backgrounds of all ages have gotten involved in this program. Some of them inspired, adults inspired by their children, teens inspired by their friends, and, and entire schools really getting behind the idea that anyone can participate in this. And when that becomes clear, uh, they do it. And they get excited about it and then other people follow. That's that's incredible. I know. Um, I know we can't talk about the program without certainly mentioning uh, the the regional director over there in New York, NCSY, who we know well, Rabbi Arye Lightstone, who I'm sure has had extensive involvement in developing this this project well, and moving Rabbi, it forward. Absolutely, Rabbi Lightstone has been really uh, an inspirational force in moving this ahead. Um, Aside from all of his other many responsibilities, uh, he's been really leading our charge in committing NCSY, committing the community into being involved in this endeavor. Uh, Rabbi Lightstone is someone who cares very, very deeply for the people and for the children in Israel. And, uh, and he's, along with the rest of our staff, made this the, the priority right now, aside from all the other programs we're running, to make sure that, uh, that when there's a time of great need in Israel, that people there know that they have friends here looking out for them. Incredible. Incredible. Can you share with us the tally of where the funding is up to, or is that we're going to have to keep that secret until the program is over? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. We, we, it, we, are, uh, we have been uh, pleasantly surprised by the outpouring of funds, um, and uh, we're at this point keeping the exact numbers um, a little bit under wraps because we'd like to make a nice announcement once we get towards our goal. But uh, it's uh, really been phenomenal to see the outpouring of not just people who are looking to donate in great amounts, but people who are literally looking to, to do, make a small dent to make small donations. So it's, um, it's been a phenomenal opportunity, I think, for lots of people who ordinarily would not be able to give hundreds if not thousands of dollars to a cause, but who feel like this is their time to be involved, at least on a small scale, to make a big difference. That's incredible. Thank you so much, Rabbi John Ackerman, the Associate Regional Director of New York NCSY, here on the OU's Jewish Reaction, and of course here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am Rabbi Yaakov Glasser, the National Director of Education for NCSY, and uh, this has been certainly a a remarkable journey today, really exploring uh, the two major issues that hit the Jewish community over the last month or so, the Hurricane Sandy and, of course, the missiles that were falling in Eretz Yisrael, and how reactions of the Jewish community, uh, certainly to the namesake of our show, uh, have really expanded the reach of creativity and of 
proactiveness and passion and responsibility of the Jewish community in terms of, of reaching out to each other. You know, both both endeavors are indicative of a world that uh, the communication that has been enhanced in terms of, of being able to get in touch with people and being able to know what's going on in different places. And it's really just uh, a, a remarkable, remarkable achievement. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again here on the OU's Jewish Reaction on the Nachum Siegel Network. Have a wonderful day.